Welcome to Sex Communication, a project aimed at changing how people talk about sex. It features audio recordings of sex acts, extremely frank conversations, and many confessionals. Please note that our content is explicit and uncensored. And while these episodes may indeed arouse you, the intent is to inform and inspire. Join us now for a judgment and shame-free exploration of sex. Sexy, sexy, sex stuff. Sex. Hello and welcome to episode 83. Today is the conclusion of my two-part interview with C, as she describes what it's been like coming out as a woman in her early 50s. I'd like to stop you right here if you have not listened to episode 81. Backtrack and listen to that first. Um, That'll give you a better sense of the person that I'm speaking with today. Uh, Give you a little bit more history and context to the conversation because I am just going to jump right in essentially where we left off, which is diving deeper into what coming out to her family has been like, specifically what it's been like with her son. Uh, In today's episode, we also cover the details of her transition, what she's doing to transition. Is it hormones, surgery? C still has a penis at this point. And as you might imagine, there are a lot of complicated feelings that come with identifying as a woman, but presenting in certain ways still as male. Um, And also the notion of pleasure and sexual intimacy and how the penis is really getting in the way of a lot of that. But at the same time, it also is providing an opportunity to have a more holistic acceptance of self. Today's conversation does get into the more heavy aspect of identity and what that really, really, truly means. And, you know, the the paradoxes of female aspiration versus being female, the possibility of being somewhere in between or something entirely different, a third gender, how a lot of those ideas really tie more into her own sense of self, her own acceptance of who she is right now. Today, we also discuss more about physical intimacy um, and how that's been and how she hopes it will be, what she's looking for, the physical struggles that she's currently having. So there's a lot to cover. There was a lot to cover in the last episode as well. Um, and this really does continue the conversation. So again, if you haven't listened to the first part, please do that. Otherwise, we're going to jump right back in with C. Here we go. I want to know, what was it like with your family? Like, of all of the people you've come out to, was there one group in particular, work, recovery, friends, you know, the public? Like, what was the most challenging? So there was this notion about, like, when am I going to do this on Facebook? When am I going to, like, really, when am I going to come out to all the people I haven't come out to? Right. Right? So... So recovery community, not a problem. Um, direct work, not a problem. Although some of those things are sort of trickling out. Then, you know, when I came out on social media, um, then there was like, I had to, in all of this, I really, when, when I decided to start this, and really de- determined to come out publicly full time. Like I had, to, I, I was willing to lose all my relationships. I was willing to, to close the door on like every person that I had known, every friendship, every relationship that I had, all the people from, you know, my past, from from hobbies and sports and previous jobs and things like that. All of those people, I was prepared 
to lose. I had to, I was literally, I was willing to lose everyone. Um, and I guess that sort of speaks to how Sounds a lot like surrender. fundamental it was a lot of <laughs> surrender. Yeah. Surrender the outcome, take the action and surrender the outcome. So, you know, the pe- people that I've known for a long time that maybe I haven't seen that sort of recently discover that I'm trans, that I'm out, that I'm a different person. You know, those relationships are a little, th- th- those, those things can be, e- each time there's still a little bit of like, ah, uh, no, I wasn't that person that you thought I was. Yeah, there was this other person. No, I didn't tell you about it, you know. Um, and so in some ways, like when I think, so family was pretty good. Family was pretty good. I had told my sister, you know, like my sister was with me when I painted my nails the first time we were together. She was getting her nails done and I was like, you know, my toenails. I was like, you know what? I'm gonna I said that color was good for you, but fuck you. I'm to, <laughs> I, I want that color. You go you go pick a color. I'm getting this color. Um, you know, and and she she knew she knew like I had come out to her that there was like another side of me, but not that like I wanted to open this, that I wanted to bring this all out. Um, but so there's a comfort level there. And then, you know, telling my mom, telling my brother, when did you those tell your things, son? Like how, like, who- my son happened, you know, the, my son, it happened pretty early on, you know, I mean, he's not a kid anymore. Um, and he was with me that first summer and that first summer in August, I think I told him in August, um, and he was at the house and we were upstairs and I was asking him to help me move some stuff into a room. And I said, Hey, listen, man, I need to talk to you about something. You know how much I love you. You know, you could never do anything that would change how much I love for you. You know how much I love you. You know, he's sort of, you know, he's, he's a young person. Oh yeah. Okay. Right. Where's this going? You know? And I said, but I need you to, I need you to understand something about me. He said, what? And I pointed in the corner of the room. I said, all those shoes are mine. And there was like 10 pairs of high heels lined up. And he was like, huh? Okay. (laughs) And And then we moved the stuff and we finished doing things. And then, you know, um, we were downstairs and I said to him, listen, you know, there's, it's kind of heavy, like this could be a heavy conversation, but if you have questions, if you want to ask me anything, like, just ask me. And he, in his own kind of endearing way, he said, well, you know, I'm just going to ask my gay friend about you. And I said, okay. (laughs) Okay, so I guess we're good. It's still not perfect. You know, he doesn't like to use my preferred name. He certainly doesn't want to use feminine pronouns. Um, That's a point of negotiation between us because, you know, I don't want to be outed at the Burger King in line at the Burger King when he asked me for $10. Hey, dad, can I have $10? Like, 
could you give me a break? Could you just ask me for the $10 without saying dad? You know, and I asked him about it and he said, he said, no, I'm not using your name. I'm not, that takes away all our history. Mm. Like I'm, I'm calling you what I call you and that's what I'm calling you and that's it. And I was kind of like, wow, I didn't expect such strong feelings about that. So there's still work to do there. But, you know, we've, we, we, I went to his graduation, you know, I, with my two ex-wives. That's an interesting point though, him saying that to change what he refers to as would erase the history you have. Do you feel like that as his parent? I don't feel like that at all, but I, but I have to respect his perspective. But I mean, you're, you raised your son as a father for many years. Yeah. So, but do you. I guess, does your uh, experience of parenting, is it at all tied to that identity of like being a father to a son? I mean, I guess if I reflect back, it's, I mean, yeah, if I, you know, if I'm thinking, I mean, yeah, we did all these things, right? We did all these things. We took motorcycle trips. We went camping, you know, we did all kinds, I mean, we've had all kinds of experiences, you know, we took the train from, you know, Hungary to Paris. I mean, yeah, we've done all these things. So, so I don't, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's, it's not entirely clear to me how I sort of regard my whole past. You know, how do I regard the hobbies? How do I regard, you know, communities of people that I got really close with, you know, I used to race cars. Like how do I But if you stop doing approach those things, that? are you not doing anything with well, motorcycles or anything anymore? No, what what's happened for me, and again, I think a lot of these issues about identity and I issues, you know, development of identity and development of sobriety are so inextricably intertwined. Um you know, when I when I made the decision to transition like I had a lot of trouble sort of envisioning myself as somebody who would go into the woods with a chainsaw and split wood, like cut down, you know, cut up logs and split wood and like haul wood into the wood stove and do that. And, and some of it was so silly. Some of it was like, what do I wear (laughs) when I'm doing that? You know, what do I wear when I'm changing when I'm replacing the brakes on my car, you know, whatever like wh- you want. whatever I want, but like, you know, all this effort to change wardrobe and to kind of manifest my inward self as an outward presentation. Initially it was really hard for me to just like put on like my shitty jeans, like, like all my, All my male clothes feel like shit. All my male clothes still feel like shit. I don't like wearing them. They're in a different closet. They're all in a tote. I had to find a way to figure out how to resolve. And so again, like my friends, in the same way I said I had to, I was going to let go of, you know, all my relationships. I was ready to let go of like every, in some way of like everything that I was of every, every hobby, every interest, I'm like, it's all gone. There is only me today, right now, you know, alone 
not alone, but you know, like I have to be happy with that. And as I become more comfortable, I've started to pull these things back into my sense of who I am. And, you know, I started making for, you know, going in the shop and making furniture. And I, I made, I made some chairs and sold chairs for, you know, people in the community and, and in a very public way and, um, you know, fix my car and do things, get back to music, like back to singing. Holy shit. You know, that's like high school reality, like back to doing that, back to, you know, parts of myself, exploring the feminine parts of myself that I never allowed any footing, but also realizing that I can pull this, and a lot of this is stereotypes, but I can pull these things back into myself. I can still be who I want to be. You know, um, I haven't been riding motorcycles. Both the motorcycles have been broken um, due largely to my inability to maintain working vehicles as an alcoholic, um, you know, over an extended period of time, I had some frustrating moments. I started throwing tools. I wouldn't go back in the garage for six months. I'd go in the garage. I'd get pissed off. I'd throw another wrench years past, you know, but that's something, you know, like I'm, I, you know, how do I get back to that? Who am I going to be? Who am I? You know, it's weird. It's, it's, it's not weird. It's nuanced. It's nuanced and it, and it's complex. Um, there are parts of me, you know, there's so much about me today, my outlook on life, my ambitions, my sense of who, of who I am you know, I don't have any more testosterone, like zilch. I've got lots of estrogen, like way more than you have, right? <laughs> i got lots of estrogen, no testosterone. Like I'm not fighting people in traffic. I don't need to prove. I don't need to prove that I'm so tough. I don't need to win everything. I'm much more interested I'm much more interested in caring for people. I'm just, it's just easier. It's nicer. I'm a nicer person. I'm a much nicer person. You're caring more about yourself. I care about myself. I have a lot of people in my life who care about me. And there are a lot of people that I actively care for on a daily basis. You know, phone calls, conversations, time, you know, explicit effort to be there for other people. Um, you know, so there, 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 so, so there were things, you know, like when I think about me as like motorcycle person, Mm -hmm. like, you know, so fucking tough, you know, any conditions in the sleet. Do I ride my motorcycle in the sleet? Yeah, I'm that tough. Like, I don't need to, I just don't need to do all that. I don't know. You know, that was, may have been in some ways affirming and asserting my male identity. The same as dressing up in the early years and going to find anonymous 
you know, gay sex was, was a way to, to affirm my female identity. Like these actions Mm -hmm. that I needed to take to affirm an identity either way. Um, I see them today as so transparent. Mm -hmm. You know, I thought, I thought that I was going to transition and be like the sex queen. I thought like, I'm going to transition and I'm going to, you know, a neon light. I'm going to get my year sober. I'm going to flip the light on. It's going to be a line of people. I'm going to finally fulfill, you know, every fantasy I've ever had. And, and it's finally going to be really good. And da 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 and da 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 And ha, it's so funny because I want to be sexy, but I'm not really interested in sex. My therapist says a lot of women feel that way. Um, You know, I. But do you think that's what it is or do you think it's. I mean, have you kind of like taken this body out for a spin? Is it the fear of the unknown of like, what will it really be like to be seen in this way fully? No, but, you know, my my. It just seems to me just seems to me that I want so much more from intimacy today. Mm. Like what I want for myself. Like I don't, I, 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 I don't, years, I don't right? want, you know, it's kind of funny, but in some ways I'm a virgin. Yeah. Nobody's been, nobody's been with this person, right? I haven't, you know, I haven't been naked with anyone. Um, and, and I'm thinking that's kind of a big deal. And, and I'm no longer this, this idea of somebody who's just physically available or maybe physically attractive. Like you need to be physically attractive. You need to be intellectually intriguing you need to be spiritually fit. You need to hit me on so many levels before I even get interested. And so far, the people in my life who fit those qualifications for one reason or another are not available. And I have some really good friendships with people that I am attracted to, that I do think about, that, wow, it could be really nice, but we're not in the right proximity to have a relationship, but I really like that person. So I'd like to just be friends with you because I like spending time with you. It's not like I'm waiting, like hoping, you know, for my moment or something like that. But I just realized that I want so much more. I want so much more from intimacy. I want to finally be present. I feel like I am finally like if, person who's going to get involved with me Mm. knows exactly who they're getting involved with. So for the first time in my life, I can be with somebody as an authentic person. And, and yeah, I have some aspiration about what, you know, what's that going to be like? I have a friend of mine who's like tried to set, set me up with a couple of their like Tinder grinder hookups that, you know, weren't a match for them. 
And, you know, I'm talking to somebody and they're cheating on their spouse and they need to be discreet and da-da-da-da and this and that. And I just start thinking like, you know, you literally want to exchange energy. You want me to take your chi and, and there's nothing about your energy that I want. And I, and no, and no, I don't want any of that in me, on me. Like I just don't, I don't want, I, I don't want any piece of that, you know, um, people who are in relationships they're in a relationship and they're not so happy and they think maybe they could be happier and maybe if we could have a relationship, that'd probably be better than the relationship I'm in. So maybe, you know, I could move from that relationship into this. Re no, no, you're either happy or you're not happy. And if you're not happy, you get out. You get out and you get right. And then, you know, I, I just I don't want any part of any of that anymore and that i find that shocking like me to me i am shocked with myself but i just don't want any i just don't want any part of it and so you know i haven't been with anyone i'm not i'm not looking for dates i'm not i had an app back last summer like when i was first you know thinking tr starting to transition i had some app and and it was great to get the affirmation mm -hmm. and the attention but you know, I realized I was going to have, like, like my ex wasn't moved out yet. I was going to have to like, sneak out. Oh, they're sleeping. Let me sneak out now and go meet you, like, behind the CVS. What? Like, no, no. And, the, you know, I thought about it, and there was a time I thought, like, yeah, let's, that'd be great. That'd be great. But that's just not the person that I want to be. It's not, I'm way too good for that. I'm way too good for that. I don't want five minutes with somebody in a parking lot. I just, that's not how I want to do this. Um, I think it's too important. The opportunity is too important to squander. I've had more than my fair share of unsatisfactory sex. Like I just don't, I don't need that anymore. I'm never going to put somebody in that situation the way I described. And, and I want a lot from somebody to really share, to really share um, intimacy with. Yeah. It sounds to me more a demonstration of you finally knowing your self-worth and less about like being female or male, you know, like women are more likely to behave this way or have this feeling about sex or partnership or, you know, whatever. It sounds like, you know, your worth now and there's no reason to settle and especially, you know, it just sounds like you've been struggling for so long to, like, be seen by somebody, you know, to be free enough to be seen. Like, why Why would you, you know? It would be a waste of your time, a waste of yeah. your value. So when you said that you were fully transitioned, are you doing hormonal stuff? Are you doing surgery? Have you? Are you So I, it? I've been on hormones for a year, mm -hmm. for a year, not quite for a year been on hormones since January. So, um, and I have surgery dates planned for the end of December. So, um, top and bottom top, 
top surgery, maybe a little cosmetic work. Um, the bottom, not surprisingly, I have very, I very mixed feelings about my penis and whether it's been good to me or not. (laughs) Um, I have very mixed feelings about it, but it's the only one I got. So, you know, I'm not ready to make that choice yet. And I'm not sure how I feel about topping, about not topping. I don't know. You know, it's really easy for it to get very cloudy in my mind about what I think the mechanical logistics of intimacy might be, depending on whether that's who that person is um, and what the dynamic is, you know, so... So I'm not going to make any irreversible choices about that right now, but I'm sure that I want the top surgery, and so I'm moving ahead with that. And, um, you know, and what I mean by fully transitioned is I mean in terms of lifestyle and presentation. You know, there are, there are no days when I'm not the person you see. In front of, I, don't, I don't have days where I don't feel like being being the person you see in front of you. Right. This is the person. This is what you get every day, all the time. You know, um, so that's what I mean by fully transitioned. Um, you know, the body stuff is is really interesting. I mean, there's so much about this. There's so many paradoxes about being trans because on the one hand, you know, um, somebody looks at me and says, Oh, what the hell is going on? Which hasn't happened. You go, hey, what I look like is none of your business, right? My appearance is unimportant. And simultaneously, my appearance is really important, right? So it's like, wait a minute, is it important or is it not important? There is an inherent paradox there of telling people the way I look doesn't matter, but I need to look this way. So, um, So when I think about you know, this idea, like early on in my transition, I had some people say, well, you know, you should get a wig. You know, my hair was short. You should get a wig or maybe you should get um, extensions or something like that. And I remember saying back then, like, I have to be able to be right with myself and look in the mirror and live with the person, you know, that I'm looking at. I have to be able to do that in the past, like always a wig always a corset, always a lot of sort of boundary items mm-hmm. to protect myself with, to hide, to hide inside of. And so, you know, for the first six months, I didn't wear any breast forms. Um, I, I have never worn a wig. I've just been growing my hair out, you know, and, and it's getting better. And, you know, um, So on the one hand, there's this notion of like learning to be comfortable and okay with who I am. But at the same time, there are these aspirational goals, you know, um, and these logistic things. It turns out that like, if you are running full speed, trying to catch a softball, stick on boobs, stop sticking. And if you're sweating, it happens even faster. So, you know, like that's a problem. That's like a big problem. Um, It's embarrassing. 
when you're at a softball game and your boobs fall off. Um, you know, I don't want that to happen. You know, you go swimming, you know, there are, there are things, there are things like the, what I'm wearing, what, you know, all that kind of stuff. I'm so done. I'm so done. Like hair, holy shit, hair, electrolysis hurts. But yeah, you know, like I'm so done. I'm so done dealing with body hair and like it's getting, you know, it's been, you know, it's been almost a year trying to get rid of body hair. And it's like, week after week after week of like working at this stuff. I would like to arrive. I'd like to get to a point where, where the transition is over. I don't know if that ever happens. Or at least not take so much effort that you could feel like you wake up in the morning. You can just like be lazy on a weekend and not feel any less of who you are at the end of that weekend. That's in the beginning. I've gotten to the point that I can get up and, and go out and run an errand without any makeup on. And that's a really big deal. Yeah. You know, that's a really big deal. I know some, I know some cis women for whom that is a really big deal. Yeah. Um, successful trans people disappear. What is your feeling about your own body? Like when you first began dabbling with wearing heels or corsets or anything that was about presenting as female, did, were you doing that with a, negative feeling towards your own penis was it just a part of you and thus a part of the experience like have you have your feelings about your penis shifted as you've you have transitioned now like has that changed well yeah yeah i mean there have definitely been changes there's definitely things that have shifted um you know, I, the stuff you see on Pornhub is very atypical, (laughs) you know, um, it, (laughs) I used to masturbate a lot and, you know, even cross-dressed and stuff like that. And, and, you know, a lot, you know, masturbate and, and, you know, dildos and plugs and stuff like that and prostate sim- stimulation and things like that. And, you know, um, the amount of hormones I'm on right now, like I, I don't really ejaculate at all. Um, so, you know, I, I can get an erection, but um, it's hard to keep an erection. Do um, you still masturbate? Occasionally. Like maybe, like maybe once a month. Is it confusing? Like, do you feel at all? No, I don't feel, I don't feel confused about it. I mean, there is still something in there about, about this notion, like about rectifying these ideas about trans, like about female aspiration versus being female Mm -hmm. about being a hybrid, you know, the third sex versus trying to like, am I binary Mm -hmm. and I'm just aligned to female or am I, you know, third gender and comfortable being somewhere in between, Mm -hmm. you know, a lot of that is why I'm not moving ahead with bottom surgery. Um, but, 
you know, there is a cognitive part, you know, part of my reality is that I, you know, I have a penis. I grew up with a penis. I will never know what you have lived through as a woman. I can identify with a lot of things. I can aspire to understand things and I can be legitimate in a lot of ways, but, but I'm, I'm, I'm just not, you know, yeah. I have testicles, um, so far. Um, and you know, so there is a kind of realization that, you know, that's what I am, you know, this is who I am. And, and, you know, but the expectation of performance, mm -hmm. the expectation that I'm going to come, like it just got so exhausting, it just, just became so perpetually exhausting and frustrating and disappointing that you know, I just decided to walk away from it. It wasn't like, you know, of course, it wasn't like I hadn't been trans, you know, like in the face of this alternative, I just wanted to walk, you know, I just said, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done trying to do this. I'm done, you know, and, and so now, you know, how do I feel about my penis now? I'm not really... I'm not really sure. Yeah, I masturbate from time to time. Um, I don't know. You know, I tend to... I tend to fantasize about sort of like perfect... transsexual hybrid mm. um, stereotypes like... Like, yeah, you know, uh, tits and a cock, you know, like, yeah. like, like I can be beautiful. I can be beautiful as I am. Um, I definitely, you know, have some, some uncomfort, some discomfort about the notion of constructing an artificial vagina, um, because I don't know if it'll give me any pleasure. Yeah. You know, I evidently they can construct a working uh, clitoris um, and people have, you know, successful orgasm, but I don't know who the vagina's for. Mm. Is this just to please somebody, please a partner? Um, I don't know. And at the same time, I don't know what the penis is for because so many men who are interested in a trans woman because they can't confront their homosexuality and they want all of the cover of a woman with the fascination of a penis. I'm like, yeah, you're not going to get my penis. You're not going to get that. I'm not giving you that that way. I don't want that. And you're definitely not getting it with the amount of estrogen I'm on. So so, like, that's off the table. I don't know what's on the table for me right now. I don't, I'm, I'm not clear about it. And, and when I think, 
when I start trying to figure it out, I stop because there's no partner in the picture. And I think when I finally make that choice to be intimate with somebody, we're going to find out what that is. And it may be very different. I'm anticipating <laughs> that it will be pretty different than what it was like in the past. You know, just so, so there is a lot, there is still a lot of dysphoria yeah. and ambiguity about what, what it means to have certain parts and and what kind of parts am I interested in being intimate with? And I'm like, well, I'm not actually very part specific right now. Yeah. You know, I've 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 had interactions with men who I think, huh, this is a really attractive person. Like I wonder what that would be like. I wonder how that would be. I wonder what it would be like making an omelet <laughs> in the morning afterward. You know, like those, these are the thoughts I have. Yeah. Not like what would it be like to like fondle you or caress your butt cheek. I think about like, I think about all of the moments that aren't having sex. I think like, oh, it might be interesting to be intimate, but I wonder what kind of person you'd be afterwards. I wonder what kind of conversations we'd have on Sunday morning. Um, and then I have the same thoughts about women. I say, huh, well, I wonder, you know, I wonder what that would be like taking a road trip with you. How would that be? And, and so every time I start to, you know, it's like, it's those things that then, start to prompt this these thoughts about like well i you know i might like to be intimate i might like to find out what you're like um i'm intrigued but it's you know it it, it is very seldom about any kind of explicit what's going to happen who's going to who's going to fuck who or what's going to happen or what am i going to do first what are you going to do first what do i wish we were doing Together, I don't have any of those thoughts anymore. I used to have thoughts. I'm going to do this, and you're going to do that, and then we're going to do this, and then this is going to happen. All that stuff is gone. And so this question of, like, what is my penis for, um, I think it might come in handy one day. Are you waiting to figure that out or waiting until you feel more satisfied physically, like after having top surgery and after taking additional steps? I'm not... I am not intentionally celibate. Mm. I just, I'm just waiting for the right person yeah. in the right moment. You know, I just, I don't want to force anything. Do you fantasize? You know? Do you have a vision of what that partner might be like or a, like, is there a gender you're shooting for? You think maybe being with another trans person would be, I don't have, I'm, I'm, I'm not gender specific. I tend to be more regularly attracted to women mm. still, which has always been the case. Um, it's, it's far less often that I become intrigued with a man. Um, but I'm not looking, yeah, I'm not looking for a gender. I suppose I don't have any like regular 
trans people in my life right now. And then there was a time when I was like really trying to find a network or a support group. Um, and frankly, the, the women in my, in my recovery community embraced me so fully and so forcefully that I was like, what, you know, like I'm in, I'm in, I have all these people, you know, I show you my phone, my text messages, like, boom, you know, like I am interacting with people, you know, in beautiful way. Like I have so much community right now. I'm not really searching for, you know, anyone. Um, and, and again, when I start to think about who I want to be with and I start to get down this, like, well, what do I want to do? What do I want done? Like all of that goes nowhere because I've been there a million times. Mm -hmm. I've been there too many times and I don't, there was, there doesn't, it's, it's like a dead end. It's a dead end. So if I'm thinking about what kind of sex I want to have. I mean it more in like a, like a manifestation kind of way, not like a expectation kind of way. If you understand yeah. what I mean, but it, cause it seems like I understand what you're saying and it sounds like, cause I'm also, you know, in a recovery program and this idea of, you know, don't shortchange yourself by, you know, tying yourself to the dreams you have when you come in, like things will exceed your wildest dreams because those dreams change. Like by the time you have the sex or find the partner, like your notion of what satisfying or what intimacy is or what any of the things are at that point could be so completely different than what they are in this moment. Like why, shortchange yourself why make plans so that you know god can laugh kind of thing (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah but at the same time you know like just in terms of you know because it's so frustrating to me to hear you talk about so many years of this performance anxiety and this frustration tied to sex and intimacy and just i mean have you felt any release even just mentally not actually in the physical act of it but just like being more at home with who you are now is there like has the air been let out even a little bit i think the answer is yeah you know i just you know i i I don't know quite how to put it into words. You know, I just, I mean, I don't feel any obligation, you know, to top anyone or to like be the dominant um, phallus yield wielding, you know, part. Well, but you know, but, but getting to that point where I can just say, you know what, that's like, this is not even a thing. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not, you know, don't, like, just getting comfortable enough to say, look, if we're going to be intimate together, that's not, that shouldn't be an expectation. That shouldn't be, like, right from the get-go, that should not be an expectation, mm-hmm. you know, for a partner of mine. And it might be a possibility but it is not an expectation. It should not be an expectation. If it is an expectation, we are not compatible because I'm not going to, I'm not willing to, to be in that situation again. Um, and that is only like, I don't think I could have done that 
as a man. Like, I don't think I could have said, like, I just don't want to do, you know, like I couldn't get there. Mm -hmm. There was just no way I could get there. And, you know, as a trans woman, it's just so much, so much easier, so much more natural to set those boundaries. Um, So in that sense, it's an enormous relief. You know, I've joked with people, it takes a lot of balls to have no balls, <laughs> you know? And and it's like, yeah, no, I don't do that. Like, that's for other people that need to... <sighs> that sounds judgy. That sounds judgy. Um, but that's not for me anymore. I don't need to... I don't need to carry that anymore. I've put that down. I've put that down. And that is an enormous relief. Um, and options abound, you know, so in, in some ways, letting go of that kind of stereotypical role and responsibility and broken, chronically broken expectation, um, you know, by releasing that, I'm like so much freer. Mm-hmm. I'm so much freer, but I'm, you know, I'm also just not tuned on that. Now, I, you know, there are moments, I mean, there have been some moments where I've had some really legitimate, wonderful flirtation with people. You know, and and for a variety of reasons, that's all it that's all it's been flirtation. But but to realize to realize for a minute that like yeah, like I can I can I still have this channel, mm-hmm. you know. And when I and when I turn that channel, like it feels pretty good, you know. And and clearly, other people get that channel from me still like I still got it I still got it you know I still got it and believe me when you know when it's when it's gonna happen it's gonna be a thing you know it's gonna be a thing I feel good about that I feel like you know I still have that inside of me I think I feel like I have something so much better than I've ever had um but that agenda you know just yeah it's this person isn't carrying that agenda anymore. And there are a lot of things I'm not carrying anymore. A lot of things I've let go of. Um, you know, and I credit my my work in recovery. It's kind of like, but the, the transition like made, pushed me to work so hard in my recovery and my recovery allowed me to move so far in my transition. Yeah. So they're just so, um, as I said, they're so intertwined that sometimes it's hard to see what are, you know, to, to what do I attribute certain elements of growth. It doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter why or how, but but I'm just in such a different place than I've ever been in my life. I'm in the best place I've ever been in my life by orders of magnitude. I am happier than I have ever been. I am a nicer person than I have ever been. 
I have better relationships with people than I have ever had. I have peace and tranquility in my life, you know, that I never thought I could have. Um, and one day, I'm going to cross paths with somebody or something will happen and circumstances will change, you know, and it's going to be on, but probably not today. <laughs> probably today is not the day that that's going to happen. So when you were talking about like being able to let go of this agenda and let go of like your ideas of masculinity and what it means to be in a male body and to be who you were and become who you are, being able to let go of that idea, but also being able to let go of what you feel the female agenda is and what it means mm. to be a woman and like all of those things. It's it's nice to think that at some point all this disappears into the background, that yeah. it's not a, a, a conscious billboard in front of me of what I'm trying to do and what I'm trying to live. So, so I do think that there is, that there is a lot of room and opportunity to move forward. Yeah. Um, Cause I don't mean to, to take away from there are, that identity, but I mean, it's like, Especially in terms of like you were saying, you know, you don't have these definitive thoughts on your penis, keeping it or not, or whatever, maybe coming to terms with it and things like that. But it sounds to me like there's this opportunity for this sweet spot where like you can be who you are. And just because a part of your body like presents as a different way, having that and experiencing pleasure with it doesn't detract at all from who you are, that you're able to kind of transcend the body and the mind. So I like to think purely. that I like to think that, you know, the person I like to think that my future partner, um, is the kind of person that would be amenable to all of that. Mm -hmm. You know, like I've done, yeah. Again, I'm back to this paradox of like, you know, be right with myself, but I want more. You know, there are a bunch of paradoxes. There are a bunch of, there's some hypocrisy, you know, um, like these deeply embedded visions of, of what it is to be a, a woman or what it is to be feminine that are in some ways admittedly sexist or stereotypes and sort of trying to figure out how to negotiate that when I consider myself someone who is certainly advocating for, you know, the fringe and, and I think advocating for women, the women I know in my life advocating against, you know, uh, a male dominant dominated um culture but at the same time i'm like i want like i really like my six inch stilettos you know and like i want to show a little cleavage so is that like empowered or 
degrading. Like, I don't know. There are, there are contradictions in my own identity that, that are also the kinds of things that sit in the front, that sit in the front of who I present as, who I think I should present as, what I am, who I'm trying to be, all this kind of things that you made reference to that I would like, that I would hope at some point settle, mm-hmm. that everything just settles and I can commit more energy to just being. But Instead of trying to become, yeah. becoming versus being yeah. and that balance i don't know that we ever stop becoming yeah but i've been on a steep curve for the last year and yeah i would like to get to the point you know there's still a lot of um validation right research and development are still like it's a design project this is a prototype i need to validate in the world i need to get the feedback i need to determine if the prototype requires modifications, revalidate. I mean, that's a process yeah. um, that I have to go through. And I don't know what will be the milestone, you know, that denotes a, a new model number. <laughs> a new model number, you know, hopefully not 10 years of closeting, another 10 years of closeting. Yeah. Um, it's really easy to look in the past and go, yeah, okay. Yeah. You know. Um, but all those, the notions that you were talking about and the kind of the, the hypocrisies or the contradictions, you know, the heels versus empowerment versus this, whatever, like those are all the things like that is feminism, the ability to live amidst those contradictions and embrace them and not feel the need to kind of like swing one way or the other, or like reconcile anything. Like why, why bother with the reconciliation in that area? I'm saying, like, cause that's, that's all. It's like it comes down to your intention, right? Intentions. It does, but it's all, I feel like giving that struggle uh, power is like giving other people's perceptions of what femininity is or is not the power over what you just want to be. And however that is. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because there are times when I have argued very convincingly that intentions are nice, but it's your actions that matter. And then there are other times, you know, where we can argue the opposite and say, well, I can wear heels. I can wear these bitching heels. Is this an act of empowerment or is there, is this an act of subjugation? Right? Well, that depends on my intention. The act is the same, but it's my intention that matters. So, you know, there is this diversity where, where, you know, depending on where you come from, where you're coming at it from, this is either absolutely, you know, uh, uh, an act of, of revolution or an act of compliance. Um, but the action is the action. So in that case, we'll say it's the intention that matters. It's why I choose to do it, how I choose to approach my actions is what matters. In other cases, you know, I could think of outrageous examples that don't have to do with me, (laughs) right? We could say, well, you know, I was just, I wanted, oh God, are we going 
together. Right. <laughs> the priest just wanted to comfort the young boy. That was his intention, was to provide comfort. It doesn't matter what your intention was. That's a wrong act. Right. It's the action that matters. Fuck your intention. So, you know, we can, we can, so it's hard. It's hard to make these arguments and, and say globally that intention matters, the action is neutral, or the action matters, the intention is neutral. Um, I don't know. I don't know where it all lands for me. Um, I'm willing to acknowledge that, um, that my sense of what it is, my sense of what it is to be a woman might be offensive to some people, mm-hmm. might be offensive to some women, you know, and I, I'm willing to, I'm willing to take responsibility for that. Um, I hope that it's not, you know, and that's, and that isn't my intent. Having said what is not my intention. Um, my intent is to express myself and to exercise my liberty to do so. Right. And to find a place where I can do that without, you know, a burden of guilt or a burden of fear or, you know, any kind of anxiety. And I think that, yeah, we should all be able to to feel that in so many people in so many situations who want who want to fill in the blank. And have constructed, as I did, a list of logical reasons why they can't live the life they want to live. And I don't wish that for anybody. And if there's part of a message that, you know, I try to carry to other people, whether, you know, trans or recovery or both or gay or straight or wondering or questioning is that you can that you can, that there is no obstacle. There are no obstacles other than the obstacle within the self. And when you can see that, when you can start to move past that, things change and they change fast. And they really can, you really can transform. We can remake ourselves. Any one of us can remake ourselves, like starting this moment. Like it is, it's absolutely possible so many people who are unhappy for so many years. I can't leave my abusive partner. I can't um, imagine pursuing the career that I want to pursue. I would. I wish I was creative, but I can't be. I wish I, you know, I wish this isn't practical. It doesn't make sense. I can't do it. And I think all of that is all bullshit. It's all bullshit. It's all self-limiting. And we can. We can. The society, we would be so much better on this planet if we all just looked in the mirror and realized that we can. Because shit, if I can do it, if I could pull this shit off, like, trust me, like, you can do it. You can do everything you want to do. Any person who hears this can do anything Right? You have to want it enough. You have to want it enough to walk away from everything. And if you want it that bad, and you're willing to walk away from everything, 
you'll find out you can have it and you don't have to walk away from everything. I can't think of a better place to end. That was so perfect. Um, but is there anything else that you did want to mention or cover or? I think we covered <laughs> we just about job. all of it. Yeah. yeah. Thank you so much for Thank giving you. the opportunity to tear it all out and put it here on the table. I've enjoyed this a lot. I'm honored that you, you said yes and came here and we were able to reconnect after all this time. <laughs> it's awesome. It's my pleasure. Thank Thanks, you so Brianne. Thank you. So there you have it. I think C's message is fantastic and it was a little frustrating managing the audio with this whole interview um, as I'm adjusting to the new mic equipment and learning how important it is that both parties be consistently distanced from the mic. But I think even audio issues aside, uh, the interview was a really powerful story. Um, you know, and I'd love to get more trans stories of any kind of transition. If you're transitioning into a relationship or out of a relationship or into being sexual or out of being sexual, if you're struggling with your own identity or orientation, um, these stories are very important. They're all important, but I'd love to highlight these in particular. So if you identify with any of these things, please do reach out. I'm always looking for new people to interview and always for the audio recordings. So please just email me at sex at graphicpaint.com. And until Monday, I hope you have a wonderful week. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Sex Communication. Did you dig it? Tell a friend. Subscribe. Leave a review on iTunes. Send an email. I really would love for you to do all of these things. And if you'd like to know more about this project, visit graphicpaint.com slash sexpodcast for additional episodes and background on how this all began. And if you'd like to be a part of this podcast, send an email to sex at graphicpaint.com. Every story and experience is valuable, so why not do an interview or submit your own filthy audio? Be a part of our revolution and help us spread the message of sexy self-acceptance.